Have you ever limed? How about birded, gotcha'd, or razor shared? We're talking about the electric scooters available for microtransit in many American cities. But new research shows that behind the glee of whizzing down the street on two wheels is a big risk. A study in Denver found that scooters sent at least three people to the emergency room every day this year. Be careful out there, folks. This is Pulse Check. I'm Grace Scullion. The Senate passed the Data Mapping to Save Moms' Lives Act, sending it to President Joe Biden's desk for signing. The bill would require the FCC to incorporate maternal health outcomes into its broadband maps with the goal of improving maternal health through telehealth. This matters because the U.S. has some of the worst maternal health outcomes among industrialized countries. Black and rural pregnant people suffer disproportionately high rates of maternal mortality. House Republicans are requesting interviews with 40 Biden administration officials and people involved in a March 2020 report that said COVID originated naturally and not from a lab. This matters because House Republicans promised an agenda of oversight and investigation, and this first step shows us what the new Congress will look like. And the House voted on the National Defense Authorization Act last week. The Senate hasn't yet, but it's one step closer to passage. Joining me now to talk about health provisions in the NDAA is my colleague, Carmen Pond. Hi, Carmen. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Gray. Thank you so much for having me. There is a $5 billion investment over five years for global health security in the NDAA. How significant is that? And what will the money be used for? Indeed, the $5 billion over five years in the NDAA uh, is very significant because there hasn't been any new global health funding um, coming from the administration or from Congress in the past year or so, I would say, besides the regularly scheduled funding. The point is to cover global health security. So that is preparedness for pandemic being able to respond quickly if there's an outbreak somewhere in the world before it spreads everywhere like it happened with the coronavirus. And a lot of that money, it's still a bit vague, will go to this uh, new fund called the Pandemic Fund that was established at the World Bank and that the U.S. administration really pushed for. And that is really meant to help the poorest countries in the world increase their capacity to prepare for outbreaks and respond to them. So that means, you know, increasing their capacity to test for a new virus, increasing the number of laboratories they have, making sure they have laboratories in some countries to be able to test that, and also making sure that they have all the tools in place to train health professionals to catch a new outbreak in the early days before it spreads everywhere and it becomes overwhelming. Got it. So this World Bank Pandemic Fund is one of the main recipients of this $5 billion. I also saw you report on the State Department's new Bureau of Global Health Security and Diplomacy. Is this funding at all related to that new initiative? So that's a very good point. The two are related. It's still unclear how much of the funding will be used towards this new bureau. But indeed, the State Department uh, announced this week that they notified Congress about setting up this new Bureau of Global Health Security and Diplomacy, which is pretty much a reorganization of their global health offices. So the head of PEPFAR, the 
massive U.S. AIDS program, uh, John and Kenga Song, uh, will lead this new bureau, which pretty much will also bring together the office of the COVID-19 global coordinator and another office of biodefense, which was part of another bureau in the State Department. So the point is to put everything together to make sure that they are better organized in the future to respond to any outbreaks and that the different people with expertise in the State Department aren't scattered over different departments. It is not sure yet how much money, how much more money they will need for this. There will be for sure need for funding, but it's still the early days. So it's unclear whether and how much exactly from this five billion will go toward the operations of this new bureau. But it is, you know, it is mainly a reorganization of the State Department um, global health offices. We'll be right back. You know, we've seen a lot of headlines about the hits that the global health community took due to the pandemic, global health organizations missing fundraising goals and major backslides and vaccinations. Um, Is the global health community, do you think, going to react positively to this funding or is it the bare minimum? I think it's a bit of both. Um, the global health community obviously always likes new funding. Um, they're always afraid of money being taken from one pot um, dedicated to one global health issue and going to something else. So there's been um, in the past a lot of concerns about money, for example, used to fight HIV or tuberculosis, as you said, being redirected towards uh, pandemic preparedness. So far, it doesn't look like it happened. This $5 billion indeed will be mostly geared toward pandemic preparedness and global health security rather than responding or trying to undo some of the backsliding that we've seen in malaria, tuberculosis, HIV due to the pandemic. But it is the bare minimum. You know, there is an estimation that the pandemic fund of the World Bank needs $10.5 billion a year from the whole world to be able to sort of like start filling some of the gaps that were very obvious during this pandemic. And so far, they've only fundraised $1.6 billion, And out of that, they don't even have all that money in hand. That's just in commitments. There is still a big need for more money. And obviously, not only from the U.S., but from also other governments and, and businesses and philanthropies to be able to, for example, vaccinate a lot more kids for measles. Many of them missed their measles vaccination because of the disruptions of the pandemic in many low-income countries. So we've seen outbreaks in countries like Zimbabwe. We've seen polio outbreaks, even a few cases here in the U.S. And all those efforts still don't have enough money. It doesn't look like the $5 billion, um, that we're talking about in the NDAA will particularly go to that. But as I said, it hasn't yet been clear how exactly the money will use. So we might be surprised in the future, but right now it doesn't look like it will be used to fight back some of the backsliding we've seen in all the diseases that you mentioned. The other health provision that I have been paying attention to in the NDAA is the repeal of the military vaccine mandate. The Biden administration has expressed that they really oppose this measure, but the House already passed it in their version of the NDAA, and a group of Republican senators said that they would refuse to uh, vote for the NDAA until it is included. So it's likely to appear in the final version. Whether or not the Biden administration will veto the NDA over this amendment is something we'll have to watch, um, but it will be a big win for Republicans who are supporting the end of this vaccine mandate. 
Indeed, that's a very partisan issue. And I have actually heard voices in the global health community that were concerned that the president will veto the NDA over the military vaccine mandate and in the process strike down the the five billion dollars for global health security. Um, but on this on this particular issue on global health security, it looks like it was a bipartisan issue and it didn't have trouble passing. That might not be the case as we head into the new year and into the new Congress where some of the global health issues, including for example, how COVID started in China might play out in a very partisan way. But for now, I think many people in the global health community are happy that this issue was not politicized and that the $5 billion might actually sort of see the light of day. Well, thank you so much for talking about the NDAA with me today. We'll have to keep our eye on the politics. It was great talking to you, Grace. Thank you. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Rees is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Grace Scullion. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.